So let's dive into God's word. I firmly, you guys, believe that God has something to speak to you today. If you take this in, all of what God has to say today and through his word, I believe it won't just change your life forever. And by forever, I mean eternity. But it will change everyone else around you's lives forever. I promise you that. Um, we're gonna fl- so flip to Matthew 28 is where we're going to go to. Matthew 28, verse 1. If you need a Bible, can you raise your hand? Can we get some leaders out? Get up some Bibles passed out. Thank you, Hunter. Um, keep your hand up if you need a Bible. We'll get that to you. Um, so today, this sermon today, is in, we're in between series right now. We're, we, we're starting another series next week. So this is kind of an open series. And the title of this sermon that I'm giving today, I want you to write this down. The title of this sermon, if you're taking notes, write it down. A movement starts here. A movement starts here. So Matthew 28, uh, verse 1 is what we're going to start at. Um, up to this point in this scripture, you guys, the, we, Jesus has been killed, he's been crucified, and he's been buried. He's been placed in a tomb. So he was killed, and he was placed in a tomb. And that's right where we pick off right now in scripture. Matthew 28. It says, if you follow along with me, get up on the board, perfect. Um, it says, verse 1, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. This, this tomb they're talking about is the tomb Jesus was buried at. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So let's pause right here in the story, right? So, this story of Jesus rising from the dead is told every Sunday, and it's especially told on Easter, right? Two weeks ago, we celebrated this. Jesus rising from the dead, the resurrection. And this is, this is a big deal. This is why I'm a Christian today, because Jesus rose from the grave. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, I wouldn't be a Christian today. Why would I follow a God who can't rise from the grave and can't overcome death, right? So, our hope is in that. Everything is on Jesus and on the resurrection. Sometimes I think we forget about that. We are here because Jesus, our God, rose from the grave. That's everything to us. That's everything, right? But I want to stop there and think, this Matthew 28 doesn't just stop there. Sometimes we stop there. Matthew 28 keeps going. This is called the Great Commission. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as you see, Matthew writes here that Jesus did rise from the grave. He wrote that, right? But, G- but Matthew also gives us a direction. He gives us a command of what Jesus told them, right? So let's put ourselves in the disciples' shoes. Twelve disciples follow Jesus, right? I'm, if I'm a disciple, just picture this. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm talking with Jesus. I'm seeing his miracles. I'm seeing who he claims to be, the crazy, radical claims he said he was going to do, like die and then rise from the grave. I'm hearing this. Um, and so I'm like, okay, maybe. I, I don't, you're kind of crazy maybe, right? Then Jesus predicts his death. He dies. I bury him in a tomb. I see him. I place him in a tomb. Then three days later, he rises and he appears to me. And that's exactly what he predicted. I mean, at that point, if I'm one of the disciples and Jesus appears to me after he said he was going to do all this stuff, I'd, I'd probably be having to check my pants after that moment, right? I need some diapers probably at that moment, right? You know what I mean, right? So, so Jesus appears to me. But what does he say? He makes a command. And this command is how we should live. That He's making this command to every one of us. He, the, the story doesn't stop there. So what's the command? It says, verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I mean, at that point, the disciples are probably like, No, duh, Jesus, I see you. Like, I see you right now. You're in front of me. You were dead, right? Jesus goes on to say, verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples. This is where we're focusing right here. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So like I said, I think sometimes, you guys, sometimes we stop at the resurrection, which is our hope. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, that's where our faith lies. But we stop there. But Matthew 28 doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there, right? Sometimes we celebrate what God has done for us, which we should. We celebrate the eternal life we have in Him, which we should, and the hope we have in Him, which, which we should every day. We, I celebrate that every day. That's the hope that I have, right? That I'm going to rise with Jesus because He rose, right? But He gives us a command on how to live right now. So I have a question for you. Picture this in your mind. What do you think the 12 disciples look like? What do you think? How old were they? What do, what do you think they looked like? I think they looked like something, if you want to throw it up on the screen, a bunch of old guys. They probably weren't white. I just kind of Googled old men, so that's what came up on Google. Uh, but they're, I, they're, probably, they're definitely not white, actually. But gray hair, old guys, right? That's what I picture when I think of the 12 disciples. You probably don't picture a bunch of teenagers, though. Get me here. You probably don't picture these guys. You want to put up on the board. Perfect. These are a bunch of our juniors and seniors that went on the mission trip on spring break. You probably don't picture those dudes. But listen, you guys, most scholars believe that the disciples were teenagers. They were young people, the people that walked with Jesus and followed Jesus. And Jesus gave this command. They were young people. They were teenagers. So we got to imagine this. Jesus rises from the grave. And he gives a command to 12 people to go and make disciples of all nations. He's talking about the entire world, right? All nations. And who does he give the command to? 
teenagers, young people. The Son of God, the Savior of the world, who died for the sins of humanity and rose from the grave, gives a one command when he appears to them. Just one. And he says, go and make disciples. Go tell people about me. Go tell people about the hope that they have in me and go tell them what I have done. And he tells it to young people. That's why I can't stand you guys. I can't stand it when teachers and preachers come up in front of a bunch of young people and they say, you guys are the leaders of tomorrow. That's ridiculous to me. That doesn't show that. You guys are the leaders of today. Write that down if you're taking notes. You aren't the leaders of tomorrow. You're the leaders of today. You guys have the influence right now. You're the leaders of today. So we talked about advertisements, you guys. We already talked about advertisements, but who do companies advertise to? Who, who are the target audience for, ad, for companies to advertise to? It's you guys, right? Why? Because they know if they get you guys, they'll get everyone else. If you start buying their product, everyone else will. You start buying their shoes, everyone else will. Because you guys have the influence. You aren't the leaders of tomorrow. You're the leaders of today. But some of you may be thinking right now that you aren't qualified enough to share your faith. You might be thinking to yourself, which has gone through my mind a ton, I don't know enough of the Bible. I haven't read enough of the Bible to be able to share my faith. Or, hey, I just became a Christian two weeks ago. How do I share my faith, right? Or I still am sinning. I still have a lot of sin in my life. How do, how do I share my faith when I have sin? Or I'm not old enough, I, so I can't do that. That's, that's, you guys, that's just a lie. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie that they're trying, the enemy is just trying to plant in you to stop you from having influence. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this. He says, what you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all over Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the world. So Jesus says, once you receive my Holy Spirit, which when you invite Jesus into your life, you do, then you will be able to be my witnesses. Does he say once you become a certain age? No. Does he say once you read the entire Bible? No. Does he say once you stop sinning in your life? No. Jesus will work through that. He says once you receive my Holy Spirit, then... You can go and make disciples. So that's my first point right now, you guys. Write this down, the first point. The main qualification and only thing we need to be able to share the gospel is the Holy Spirit, God within us. That's the only thing, the only qualification we need to be able to share the gospel is the Holy Spirit. We got to remember that this started with 12 dudes, teenagers in a room, and it's, that's 2,000 years ago. Think about that. 2,000 years ago, this happened with a bunch of teenagers, and why are we here? Because of them. They were filled with the Spirit. They are filled with the Spirit of God, and now we're here today. Why are you here in church right now? Because of them. They listened to the command that Jesus gave them. The Holy Spirit was in them. It wasn't them. It was Jesus. It was God, the Holy Spirit, working within them. So what can 120 high schoolers accomplish? And Beaverton, Oregon, if 12 dudes 2,000 years ago can do this, right? We need to listen to the command. So I'm going to invite someone to jump up on the keyboard as I continue to close here. i got two more points left. Um, the second point, write this down. This is a major one, I believe. It's occupy your own street. Write that down. Occupy your own street. So sometimes 
Listen, you guys, sometimes we think that this is ministry. We think that the stage is this stage is ministry. That ministry only happens on the stage. But the problem is we serve a God who flipped that script and put the emphasis on the street. We serve a God who flipped the script of, no, it's not about the stage, it's about the street. We think that teachers and preachers are the only ones that do ministry. That's a lie. That's a complete lie. We are, I believe that we are called to occupy your street, your own street, your street that God has placed you on. Cody Hollister last week is placed on the street of the NFL. Go be a disciple in the NFL. If God places you in Hollywood, go be a disciple for Jesus in Hollywood. If God gives you the ability to do art, go do art for the glory of God. Wherever, a doctor, whatever it is, teacher, coach, whatever it is, go do it. Stay on your own street. Occupy your own street for the glory of God. Why? Because you can reach people that I can't reach. You can reach people I can't reach. You guys can do it. You guys, if you guys occupy your street and I occupy my street, we will reach people that only we can. We have to occupy our own street. So follow the calling God's placed on your life. Follow that street. Stay in that street. But what? Go be a disciple for Jesus on that street. There's a, a, st- a story I heard from a pastor, and he has a police officer in his congregation. And the police officer used to think that he attended the church. He used to think that he was just called to support the ministry. He was a police officer, so he just thought, yeah, I'm just here to support the ministry financially, however that is, volunteer, whatever that is. I'm just called to support it any way I can. Um, so when he would arrest people and, and drive them to jail, he'd be praying quietly to himself, while the people, the person was in the back of their car, the cop car, as he was driving him to jail, after he just arrested him, praying quietly, he'd say, God, I hope someday you allow me to minister, the, minister to them out loud. I want to minister to them. I want to tell them about you. He'd be praying that quietly. And then one day he woke up and realized, oh, I'm not called to just support the ministry. I'm called to be the ministry. And so this, this cop did something crazy. He, he decided to, when he arrested someone in the back of his cop car, he'd turn on a sermon. And while, so while they drove to jail, he was playing a sermon. So they were hearing about Jesus while they were driving to jail. He was like, well, I mean, they can't really go anywhere. So here they are, right? And people were saved because of it. People were saved driving to jail after they were just arrested. That, I want you guys to write this down. God is not wanting to use you someday. God's wanting to use you right now. God's not wanting to use you someday. He's wanting to use you right now. That's my third point. Occupy with urgency. Occupy with urgency. Remove these two words from your vocabulary. Someday and almost. Someday, you guys, and almost. Those two words are keeping people from heaven. Those two words, I'm speaking to someone right now. Those two words are are keeping people from having a relationship with Jesus. A pastor once told me that if you ever went to the hospitals I went to and did the funerals I've done, then you would never say, I, will almost, I almost did something great for God, or someday I will. Because we don't know how long we have here, is what he's saying. We don't know how long we have here. I don't know how long I have here on this earth. You don't know how long you have. So we need to occupy with urgency. We need to occupy, you guys, with urgency. A movement, you guys, starts here. A movement for Jesus can start right now.